0: Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. Today is my birthday, and as a special treat, we have Rick Lonas, my father-in-law, the man, the myth, the legend. He is going to be preaching on provenient grace. This is a wonderful sermon. I know you're going to enjoy it. Let's send it over to Rick. Please pray with me. May the things I say and the things I think be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Tom's talk last week was great. He really got us kicked off in a strong way. How do I spend my time? What do I think about? What do I spend my money on? Those were the questions Tom challenged us with, and I hope you spent some time this last week thinking about your priorities. The second talk in this series is about the nature of God and the relationship that God offers each one of us. Good good day, my name is Rick Lonis, and it's my privilege to talk to you about God's gift of grace. Well, when I first explored this concept of God's grace, I had asked myself, what does the word grace really mean? Well, there's some secular definitions of grace. Uh, It could be elegance of movement, such as, she moved across the dance floor with grace. It could refer to civility and good manners, like, well, at least Tom Paine had the grace to admit he was wrong. (laughs) Grace can be a prayer before meals. It could be a period allowed for a late payment of a debt, such as a grace period. But we're going to use the spiritual definition of grace. And this is the definition I wrote down in my Bible about 30 years ago when I first kind of investigated the word grace. And it's that grace is the unmerited, divine assistance given to man for his regeneration and growth. Grace is the unmerited, divine assistance given to man for his regeneration and growth. So our definition of grace is basically God giving a gift. And the song just talked about this kind of stuff, a gift we did not earn a gift we don't necessarily deserve, and a gift we didn't even ask for. But grace is more complicated to describe than just as a gift. God's grace has many facets. You're going to hear several talks in this sermon series, and several several of them talk about an aspect of God's grace. And to use the words of John Wesley, who started the Methodist Church, my talk is about provenient grace and you'll hear talks about sanctifying grace justifying grace and obstacles to grace all these talks are about God's love and God trying to establish a relationship with us and then helping us to be more like him as you're going to find out in these other talks God's grace looks different as we travel on our spiritual journey. So what is grace? Grace is a gift. More than that, grace is a gift from a God who loves us and desperately wants to have a relationship with us. God wants us to become more like him and then change our world around us. Now, I've had some great gifts from God in my life. One of the biggest is my wife, Carla. To know her is to love her. She's she's a great person. She's the best cook in McLean County, and she's been a key person in my spiritual growth. When we got married, one of God's other gifts of grace was Carla's daughter, Annie. When Carla and I met, Annie was 10. Now, Annie needed a dad, and I wanted to be a dad. I always told her she was the cutest, smartest, most talented girl in Leroy, and she was. Now, I grew up in a family of four boys. I had no idea what a daughter was like. And I soon discovered that a daughter could be worth ten sons. I taught her to drive a manual pickup when she was 12, listen to her sing, and occasionally had to be the grumpy old stepdad. Time marches on and she turns into a beautiful young woman. She gets married and then the gifts really start coming. She starts giving us grandsons. Annie and her husband Jared have two wonderful boys and I could stand up here and talk about them all day. But for the purpose of this talk, later on I will talk more about the second one, Nolan John. Now the only babysitter that Nolan ever had was my wife. and. Nolan and Carla have a special relationship. But as Nolan turned into a little boy, he went from grandma's baby to grandpa's little boy. And what a gift he has been, and more about him later. And all that was just to illustrate that grace is a gift. And I have been very blessed by Carla, Annie, Jared, and the boys. Well, back to that word, provenient. Now, I'm fairly well-read. I'm a graduate of the University of Illinois. My house is literally full of books. But 30 years ago, I had never heard of the word provenient. I guess I hadn't been a Methodist long enough then. (laughs) You may have heard of the phrase, veni vidi vici. Of course, that's a quote from Julius Caesar reporting back to the Roman Senate, on his latest victory, I came, I saw, I conquered. Well, the word provenient takes that veni word and puts a pre in front of it and makes a word that means comes before. In Christian theology, it means the grace that comes before any human decision on our part to have a relationship with God. Prevenient grace is God giving us gifts before we're even aware of it. It's God wooing us into having a relationship with him. This grace is God working in our lives from from conception to the time we say, yes, I want to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Prevenient grace is one of those flavors of grace. Now, when you talk about food, food can be salty, savory or sweet, and these are just ways to describe food. To apply the food metaphor to grace, I would say that grace is sweet. Now, prevenient grace does not depend on human action or response. It is a gift that is always available. But it can be refused. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Go in through the narrow gate, because the gate to hell is wide, and the road that leads to it is easy. And there are many who travel it, but the gate to life is narrow. Prevenient grace stirs within us a desire to know God who actively seeks us. Now, we don't have to beg or plead for God's love and grace. He actively seeks us. God's grace allows us to discern between good and evil, and it helps us to choose good, which pushes us closer to him. Now, my mother and father were godly people that took us kids to church and Sunday school every Sunday, (laughs) making sure that we learned about God. But the example that they set in the way that they lived made all of us kids willing and eager to seek a relationship with their God. When I was growing up, I thought everybody grew up in kind of an Ozzie-Harriet family like I did. But when when I got older, I realized that wasn't the case. That godly, loving family was part of God's Prevenient grace to me—it was a gift from God to me, and the numerous people that influenced me over the years, as Sunday school teachers, youth workers, school teachers, communion class mentors, and pastors, were all part of God's prevenient grace in my life. So, what's God's end game? What's God's end game in giving us these gifts? God wants to have a relationship even more with us than we do with him. God wants to have a relationship even more than we want to have a relationship with him. Listen to these words from Jeremiah. People of Israel, I have always loved you, so I continue to show you my constant love. Now, some wise person from my past told me that when I read the word Israel in the Bible, often I could put my name in there and to make that passage more personable. So by substituting my name, Rick, I have always loved you, so I continue to show you my constant love. Put your name in there. Put your name in there. See how that sounds. It sounds pretty sweet. That's why I say the flavor of provenient grace is sweet. Now, God created man to be in relationship with him, and the story is clearly told in Genesis 1. We were created in God's image to be loved by him and to love him. Unfortunately, in Genesis 3, man rebels against God Sins in our plan for relationship with God was destroyed. Part of that brokenness is a fear that we are unworthy of being unconditionally loved by God or anybody else. And one of the legacies of our sin is that most people feel they must earn God's love. I mean, secular culture tells us that if we're worthy of being loved, if we're lovable... If, we're, if our performance, our possessions, our appearance is good enough. And even churches can send the false message that God loves us only if we love Him. The good news is, the exact opposite is true. God just plain loves us. God's prevenient grace... That gift to us is that he loves us no matter who we are, no matter what we've been thinking about, no matter what we've been doing, no matter what we've been spending our money on. The gifts of grace are God reaching out to us saying, I love you. For the past five years, I've been fighting cancer. I've got two incurable cancers. I've had three years of chemo, three surgeries. Thanks to God, right now I'm in remission. I have been for a year and a half. Now, I didn't have any hair when this all started. But during a family meal, we were somehow it came up that sometimes people would shave their head when a friend is going through chemotherapy to be in solidarity with him. Well, my five-year-old grandson, Nolan, heard us talking about that. And something in it clicked with him. And the next time his dad took him to the barber, he told the barber he wanted a haircut like Grandpa. He was showing God's love to me. And, you know, I couldn't love him any more than I do. And I doubt if he could make, do anything to make me love him any less. And these things are true with us and God. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And you know what? There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Even at our worst, God still loves us. Or as Steve Steve Ward once said to a group of us in Logan Prison, there's more grace in God than there is sin in us. In Ephesians, Paul talks about God's grace. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift so that no one can boast about it. In Ezekiel, God describes his love for us. I, the sovereign Lord, tell you, I myself will look out for my sheep and take care of them in the same way as shepherds take care of their sheep that were scattered. I will lead them back to the mountains and the streams. I will let them graze in safety in the mountain meadows and the valleys and all the green pastures in the land of Israel. I will look for those that are lost, bring back those that wander off, bandage those that are hurt, and heal those that are sick. In Christianity, the relationship to God starts with us confessing the belief that Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Come to earth to offer relationship again to his creation. So, how do we experience God's prevenient grace? Well, one way, we experience God's grace through events, both positive and negative. And sometimes in the middle of personal tragedy, when people question the existence of God or question God's love for them, God sends us people to share the burdens and to listen to us and help us through the grief. Now, I've seen a lot of doctors in the last five years, and my wife has been there at almost every appointment and every treatment supporting me and showing me God's love. On the positive side, the birth of a child is often the turning point for an individual getting an idea of the love of God for them as they hold that tiny miracle in their arms. We experience God's grace through the care and the sacrifice of others. Now. Carla and I put money away in a 529 plan for our grandchildren's future education. That's prevenient grace on our part. They don't know what the future education needs will be. They have no idea of the cost involved, but one day they will. And they will recognize the gift and the sacrifice from Grandma and Grandpa that was given to them just because we love them. We experience God's grace through the body of believers, the church. The church helps us experience God's grace and presence through corporate worship, prayer, sacraments, small groups, and communion. We experience God's grace through the Holy Spirit awakening our conscience and convincing us that we can never reform ourselves or earn a place in God's family. We experience God's grace through the Holy Spirit courting us. Your entire life, God has been trying to give you gifts. Trying to talk to you. Usually in a small, soft voice. Usually through other people. Sometimes in the Bible. And sometimes, unfortunately, through suffering. But God has been wooing you, desiring to be in relationship with you, hoping to influence your decision-making processes and helping you to be more like him. Folks, it's impossible for me not to love my grandsons. And it is plain impossible for God not to love us. He can't help it. It's his nature. I really believe that's what we look like to God. We look at ourselves. Our flaws, our battle scars, our bald heads, our failures, our addictions, our problems. But when he looks down at us, he sees our smiles, our innocence, our sweetness. The question for each of us is, will we open our hearts to God and accept the relationship that God offers to us through Jesus the Messiah? That is God's wooing grace reaching out offering us the gift of friendship before we even knew we needed a friend. My closing question to you to think about this week is, where has God's wooing grace been present in your life? And you think about that. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us. From us here at Leroy UMC, be blessed, go in peace.